One of the biggest days in hockey is now complete. July 1st free agent frenzy is complete and over. Hi, I'm Thomas Vesco and alongside me as always, now Joseph Caruso and Andrew Flager. This is the N10 Puck Talk Podcast, episode number 21. Uh, this is being recorded on July 2nd, 2019. There's a big day in the hockey world yesterday, and it's the free agent frenzy. Uh, lots of teams got new players, new faces to their lineup for next year. Uh, boys, what do you guys think about the signings, and what do you think about the weekend? Well, before we start off, I want to wish everyone, our, all our Canadian listeners, a happy Canada Day. And July 4th is coming up for all our American listeners, so it's a big, big, uh, July's a big month for North America. Yeah, July 1st, free agent frenzy, especially here in Canada. It's always lands on Canada Day, so it's always something us hockey fans can look forward to on Canada Day. Listening, I was up at the cottage actually, listening to 1050 and 590, the sports radio stations up here, listening to the signings and the analysis. So it's always like a little bit of a tradition that I do. I yeah, actually for, did not yeah. catch up on any of the signings until the end of the day yesterday when I got home from the trailer, so... I was doing a lot of reading and uh, trade tracking and everything. There's a bunch of trades that, that happened this past weekend too. So yeah, it was. I can use yesterday night when I got yeah. home from the cottage. Yeah, well, you guys got to enjoy the Canada weekend. I was at home just having a barbecue with some family. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, do we want to start right into the hockey news with the first signing that we're going to be talking about from the, the New York Rangers? The biggest signing of the weekend, Artemi Panarin, signed a seven-year deal worth 81 0.5 million with the New York Rangers. Last season, he scored 87 points, 28 goals, 59 assists for the Blue Jackets, and at um, 11.64 per year, he will become the second highest paid player in the NHL next to Connor McDavid, who's making 12.5 million. Uh, Panarin has 116 goals and 204 assists in four seasons with Chicago and Columbus. He won the Calder Trophy as the league's best rookie in 2015-2016 and is one of three undrafted players in league history to record at least 70 points in each of their first four seasons. So, what do you guys feel about this contract? I mean, it's good for the Rangers, honestly. They've been making a ton of moves this offseason. Like we talked about, they acquired Truba a few weeks ago to shore up their defense, and they landed the big fish of the free agent class in Panarin. And I know 11.64 is like extremely steep, Especially, mm -hmm. like, he's in his prime of his career. I think he's 27 years old, so this will just eat up all of his prime years. But they've been, there might be, there might not be a, another player of his caliber that might be available once the Rangers are ready to contend in the future. So, overall, like, now that they have their superstar, Madison Square Garden, Broadway, I'm yep. sure he'll attract, like, a lot of Rangers fans. And I think it's an overall good signing for them. Just a little bit too much money for me. Yeah, it is it is hefty considering that he's gonna be the second highest paid player in the league right now. That's uh that's the Rangers are putting a lot of faith in Panarin to have a big season and big uh or a big seven years I guess coming out of his contract. Um, but I I guess we'll we'll talk about more about the Rangers uh later on in the episode when we talk about the best off seasons uh for some of the teams. Yeah, well, in my opinion, I think it's a good signing. They need a player like this in the New York Rangers. Uh, like you guys said, when the Rangers are going to get good, they need a player like this, and then maybe there's not going to be one on the market. Uh, I like our Artemi Panarin as a player. He's probably one of the best players in the NHL consistently-wise for the last four years when he's been here. 
And, I mean, 11.6 going to be the second highest paid player is a lot, but, I mean, he was on the market. He was the UFA, not like the other guys who were re-signed with their teams uh, when they owned them. But I think Panarin's going to be a great player for the future for the Rangers, and, yeah, I think it's a good signing. All right, now we're going to switch gears to Nashville, Tennessee, where they landed Matt Duchesne on a seven-year, $56 million contract. That's an average annual value of $8 million per season. So he had 70 points, 31 goals, 39 assists, and 73 games with the Columbus Blue Jackets and Ottawa Senators last season, including 12 points, 4 goals, 8 assists, and 23 games after he was traded to Columbus on February 22nd. Duchesne also had 10 points, 5 goals, 5 assists, and 10 Stanley Cup playoff games. So in my opinion, I think this is a great signing for Nashville. They traded P.K. Subban, which we discussed a couple episodes ago, to the New Jersey Devils to clear some cap space and they managed to get their guy Matthew Shane could be first or second line center on that team either above or behind Ryan Johansson and just looking at the other contracts that were given to someone like Kevin Hayes <laughs> who I do not agree with that signing anyways but uh I think eight million for Duchesne is very reasonable he is like a first line center quality player so I think this is a good deal for Nashville I think he's kind of getting underpaid a little bit I mean, if you look at Panarin signing, he's a winger to begin with. Uh, Duchesne's first-line center. And, I mean, there's only, like, Duchesne put up 70 points and Panarin put up 87 points. So it's not too too big of a difference. I think Duchesne's getting a little bit underpaid. He probably could have gotten more. Uh, but I think it's definitely a good deal for the Predators. Yeah, same with me. I think it's a good deal. They addressed the need, and they addressed it with Matt Duchesne. So Matt Duchesne going to the Nashville Predators. I'm a little bit salty, though. He did speak with Montreal. He met with them, but ultimately Nashville, with that no-income state tax, ended up getting him at a $8 million AAB, which I don't think Montreal could have offered. He would have had to probably offer more, but anyways. And the, the Habs are also... I really thought he was going to go to the Habs. Uh, if you recall, in last episode, I was I picked Duchesne to go to the Habs. Mm-hmm. Um, but they definitely are going to go through a rebuild now, so it kind of makes sense why they didn't have to or didn't want to offer the money to Duchesne, so. Yeah, didn't want to, like, kind of hold other players, I guess. Kind of interesting, too, because I know Matt Duchesne's a big guitar player, and I think he's a big country music fan, and Nashville's country, the heart of country music, yeah. right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of neat. I, I guess, guess I'll go. I yeah, guess I'll yeah, go, go with ahead, the Canucks. Thomas, you're up. Okay, I'll read about the Canucks, uh, the moves they made yesterday. So uh, Tyler Myers is going there for on a five-year deal with $30 million uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, obviously. The contract has an annual value of $6 million per season. Uh, Myers had 31 points, 9 goals, 22 assists, and 80 regular season games with the Winnipeg Jets last season. And he had no points in six Stanley Cup playoff games. Then they signed Jordy Ben to a two-year deal uh, worth $4 million, uh, so $2 million worth uh, in the years annually. And then they also signed Oscar, Fant- Oscar Fantenberg to an 800 k deal uh, for one year. So the Vancouver Canucks are in a rebuild process, but I think uh, Tyler Myers will help um, the young players in their lineup and especially the defensive core. He's a right-handed shot, so I think Tyler Myers is a good fit for the Vancouver Canucks, but... It's a bit too much money for Tyler Myers and maybe a bit too much term. But at the end of the day, they address the need in their lineup. Yeah, I think Myers is an okay contract. I mean, it's not the best. Uh, there was reports that he might even been asking for $7 million per season, which is absurd considering the guy has like had like 31 points last year on a pretty good Winnipeg Jets team. But I know Vancouver needed some right-handed defensemen maybe 
a little bit older. He's I think he's 29 years old, so the five years will eat out his prime. But at six million, it's not horrible, but it's definitely not the best contract you could have given him. But I, they did, like as Thomas mentioned, like they did address a need. So I think it's an okay signing. I think it's a good signing. Uh, I know you guys think that he might be making a bit too much, but if you look at uh, like what some of the right-hand shot defensemen are making in the league in today's NHL, uh, like they're getting kind of overpaid, definitely more than left-handed defensemen. Uh, so I think I think they addressed the need. Uh, I think six mil is reasonable, and I, yeah, I think it's he's definitely worth that kind of money. I think considering he's a right-handed defenseman. Yeah, and then. Also, Jordy Ben, he was with Montreal last year. He had a pretty decent season. I know he's a BC native, so him going to the Canucks on a two-year, $4 million deal, I'm pretty okay with. He's just playing in his hometown with the Vancouver yeah. Canucks. He's more of a sixth defenseman, if anything else. But I guess it's good for him to come home for a little bit. Yeah, and that's uh, pretty much it from this uh, team standpoint. So... I think we're just going to talk about the individual uh, players that got uh, offers yesterday and signed contracts with new teams. So we'll start with Matt Zuccarello, who signed a five-year deal with the Wild uh, worth $6 million per year. I think it's a okay contract for the Wild, but uh, I know Joseph Crusoe has some thoughts to this one, so what do you want to say? I mean, the Wild are kind of in no man's land. Like They didn't even make the playoffs last year. They have a pretty old roster, so adding Zuccarello... To that, he's he's over 30 for sure. I don't know how old he is exactly, but I just feel like this signing was so pointless. Like They're kind of in that in-between where they're not good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to tank either. Mm-hmm. And they just signed a pretty decent forward to a pretty hefty contract. So they could have easily just not given him this contract and try to transition their younger players a bit more. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't really like this signing for the Wild. It doesn't really make sense for them. Ryan Hartman also signed a two-year deal worth $1.9 million with the Wild. Uh, Ryan Hartman, I heard on Twitter, uh, kind of went off the map. Uh, he took a break from social media, and I don't know if he was, like, at a college or something or, like, camping or something like that, mm-hmm. just t- taking his mind off of things. But I know that um, – I don't even know if he found out about this. Um, or, sorry, about the trade. I think he got traded uh, back in – a week ago yeah i think it was a it was a while ago okay so now we're gonna my, no my bad my bad i fucked <laughs> okay. up I, I was like oh he didn't find out about the sign like that doesn't even make sense but he, he didn't find out about the trade uh to the wild about a week ago uh and then i think he like came back and, and signed with the wild all right, so now we're going to do go to another signing here. We have Wayne Simmons signing a one-year prove-it deal with the Devils worth $5 million. I know Wayne Simmons didn't have the best year last year. He was traded from Philadelphia to Nashville. Didn't really do much there at all. He didn't really fit in, I guess, with them. But Wayne Simmons is mostly known as a 30-goal scorer, a little bit behind the curve in terms of his skating. But if he can try to find a way to produce on this Devils team on this one-year prove-it kind of deal, I feel like it'll be a good investment for the Devils. Yeah, just a quick thought of mine for Wayne Simmons. I think he's going to fit well on the power play for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they kind of revamped their team, drafting Jack Hughes, trained for P.K. Subban, and they already have Nico Heischer, Taylor Hall, 
and Kyle Palmieri running the power play. I think he's going to be a great asset right in front of the net, right? Sticking his ass right in front of the other goalie. <laughs> so I think that's going to be a lot to handle for other teams. And I think Wayne Simmons is going to fit. I, I, he should fit good with the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils. But uh, we'll see what line he plays on. I don't know where he's going to play. But yeah, I think Wayne Simmons is a good signing for the New Jersey Devils at one year. He's going to have to prove some things, though. He had a terrible year in Nashville. A lot of people expected big, bigger things from him. Uh, and f- like five mil uh, for one year, I think is reasonable. But he's definitely going to have to prove that he's worth that kind of money this season, I think. Timo Meyer uh, signed an extension with the San Jose Sharks for four years at six million per. Uh, I think this was reasonable. This is a pretty good deal. Probably one of the yeah. better deals of uh, of the weekend, I think. Uh, Timo Meyer, I, I want to pull up his stats here quickly. Yeah, what are your cool. thoughts on this, though? Yeah, I think it's a good signing. Uh, it's, I think, the first one of the first big RFAs to go. Uh, we still got a long list of RFAs. We'll keep you updated throughout the podcast episodes in the summer. But again, uh, Timo Meyer had, I think, 66 points last year, uh, 30 goals. And for 30 goal scores, that's six, $6 million per year for four years. That's pretty good for Timo Meyer. Yeah, I really like this signing. He is, like Thomas mentioned, one of the first big RFAs to kind of sign a deal. So I think four years at six million per is a great deal for the Sharks, especially since uh, they lost a certain uh, captain in free agency. But we'll get to that a little bit later. But I think in terms of like his potential, I think he could be even more than a thirty goal scorer, maybe even thirty five goal guy, seventy point guy in the future. He is still very young, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. He's 20, only twenty two years old. He's still kind of young, up and coming. I think he could be a much better player in the future than a thirty goal scorer. He had a good playoffs. He had five goals, 10, 10 assists, 15 points yep. in 20 games. That's pretty solid. All right. The New York Islanders have re-signed their captain, Andreas Lee, to an extension worth $7 million per season for seven years. So uh, I think this is a good signing for the Islanders. They re-signed their captain, unlike what they did last offseason, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of let him go a little bit. But anyways, they re-signed Lee this time, their current captain, and Lee's been a good player for them. He's a good goal scorer, good leader, I guess. He was named captain last season, so they wanted to re-sign him and his leadership and his goal-scoring abilities. So I think $7 million is a fair price for Lee. He is a former 40-goal man, but again, he was playing with Tavares uh, two seasons ago, so maybe he can get back to around 30-plus goals. But what do you guys think about this one? I mean, when you're paying your captain $7 million per year, that's that's a pretty good deal to me, I think. I think, um, I yeah, like I think it's a fair deal for sure. Uh, I mean, honestly, he's not like an outstanding player by mm-hmm. any means, uh, but it's definitely a fair deal, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, same with me. A fair deal. Uh, you can put him right in front of the nets. You're not going to move him at all. And again, like he's the leader of the team. He's the captain of the team. You got to get the deal done with that certain type of player. And Lou Lamarillo eventually did. Uh, some Senators news now. Ron Hainsey and Tyler Ennis signed deals with the Sens worth $3.5 million for one year and eight hundred k for one year. Um, it's kind of interesting that two former Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. immediately hmm. went to go sign for the, the Ottawa Senators. And uh, I know, Thomas, you have some pretty interesting thoughts on this. Yeah, no, I'll mention the thought when we actually talk about some another list that we're going to be uh, speaking about in a couple of moments. I'll, I'll say that then, 
But I don't know. Ron Hainsey got a boost in his contract. I think he was making $2.5 million last year. And now he's up at 3.5 with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, this is because the Ottawa Senators need to reach the cap floor because they do not have enough players under contract with high contracts. And obviously, they need to meet the league minimum. And Tyler Ennis, uh, this is a weird one. Uh, Senators signed him for 800 k and he was making league minimum last year. So I think this is only a 100K boost from last year. I don't know why the Maple Leafs couldn't have got him for the same or maybe even a million uh, for one year. Uh, it's kind of strange, but again. I would have, yeah, if I were the Leafs, I think I would have signed him. He was, he's good for the Leafs, especially in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he's surprised too, to be honest. He's making, like, they could have they could, they could have signed him for a million for one year if I this is so. what he got from the Ottawa Senators. But maybe he was asking for more for the Leafs because they're better than the centers. But again, yeah, uh, another prove-it year kind of deal for Tyler Ennis to get his NHL career back in order. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, some other new – or another signing. Uh, Brandon Tanev signed a six-year deal worth 3.5 mil per with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Thoughts on this, guys? Well, I'm going to get to my <laughs> thoughts on this a little bit later in the episode. Uh I'm just going to say this, that they gave a six years to a third liner. That's all I'm going to say, because I'm going to rant about it a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, same with me. It's it's uh, it's uh, head-scratching from the Penguins. Made a lot of moves this uh, weekend. We'll get to that later. But again, Brandon Tanov probably a third-line center at best. Or Yeah, and it's a lot of, lot of term for a guy who is not well-known for getting points. Good for hitting, but at the end of the day, 3.5 mil for six years for a third-liner is pretty uh, pretty dumb. All right, uh, Jonas Donskoy also signed a four-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche worth 3.9 million per season. Uh, Colin Wilson signed a deal with the Avs worth 2.6 million for a year. And Pierre-Edward Belmar signed two years worth 1.8 mil. I think this is like all depth signings for Colorado. Donskoy came from San Jose. He's a pretty decent forward. Probably get you around 30-something points a season. They re-signed Colin Wilson. And then they added Pierre-Edward Belmar, I think, from Vegas or Philadelphia. Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. Vegas. So I think these are all like depth signings because they needed some depth scoring behind that big line of McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, and Landeskog. So I think these are solid signings for third, fourth line guys. Yeah, and they have the cap space to do it and might as well do fix your depth problem issues that they had in the playoffs last year. They their young guys didn't get to again didn't didn't get many goals or points in the playoffs when they needed most. And I think this is gonna help when they do eventually uh make it past the second round next year if they hopefully they do it. But again, these three players will help them do the things that uh the Colorado Avalanche signed them for, and that's depth. So I think this is a smart move for the Colorado Avalanche and Joe Sackick. All right, so now Columbus has signed free agent forward Gustav Nyquist for a four-year deal worth 5.5 per season. Nyquist played for Detroit and San Jose last season where he went to the Western Conference Finals with the Sharks. He was a pretty solid contributor with them, but he has decided to sign in Columbus. I think after all these free agents that have left Columbus, I think they had to sign someone, some forward that was half decent. So I think Nyquist is a solid forward for them. Probably a second line winger for the most part, but what do you guys think about this one? I think he's actually replace Panarin on the wing. I think for on the first line, maybe, um, not for sure. Like nothing certain, obviously, but they definitely did have to get something going after losing a bunch of their free agents. So yeah, smart signing. Uh, not too long, not too much. But uh, Gustav Nyquist is 
He, I think he had 60 points last year with the San Jose Sharks and Red Wings. So I think it's a good deal for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And yeah, they gotta they gotta kind of replace either Panarin and Duchesne with someone. And I guess they chose Gustav Nyquist. Capitals made um, a, one of the few moves of the weekend. Uh, they signed Richard Panic to a four-year deal with 2.7 mil per season. Uh, I think this is a fair deal. There's nothing nothing surprising yeah. about this one. Pure Not much move, yeah. Uh, Robin Leonard signed a one-year contract with the Chicago Blackhawks worth $5 million. I found this interesting. I know that they have Corey Crawford in net, uh, who's kind of washed up a little bit. Uh, Robin Leonard, I guess, will have a prove-it year. I know he just had a huge year with the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess after this season, we'll see where, where his value will stand. Uh, Cam Talbot is going to Alberta. Uh, he's signed with the Calgary Flames for with a one-year contract worth $2.7 million per season. Uh, I think this is kind of give giving David Riddick sort of – Riddick is – he played his first year, first full kind of year last year, and I think the Flames don't know what he is yet. So I think signing Cam Talbot will give some relief to David Riddick, and I think Cam Talbot's a better goalie than Mike Smith. And Mike Smith's off to the Oilers, the other um, rivalry they have there. For yeah, two million dollars, it was for kind one of year. a goalie swap. Sorry, I didn't yeah. inter- interrupt you. No, no, it was go kind ahead. Of interesting that it was a goalie swap. I was kind of shocked to see that both Talbot went to uh, the inner province rival to the Flames, and then Mike Smith left the Flames and signed with the Oilers. Kind of interesting, a bit of a goalie swap there. Yeah. So other goalie news: Simeon Barlamov signs with the New York Islanders, who replaces Robin Leonard, who, as we said before, went to the Blackhawks. So. Varlamov's deal is a four-year deal with $5 million per season. I think this is a solid deal for Varlamov. Um, he has troubles with his health. He's always injured. Um, they have Thomas Grice backing him up, so it might honestly be a one-two tandem like they did with Leonard for this upcoming season. But uh, what do you guys think about Varlamov? I think he's a solid goalie. I think it seems like this is kind of uh, like five mil for like an average goaltender is kind of a reasonable price. I, think, I don't think Varlamov's an elite goaltender. I think... Five mil per year is um, definitely reasonable for sure. Yeah, I, my thoughts on it is like you got to replace someone with for Robin Leonard, and I think Semyon Varlamov will do an okay job at doing that replacement. Uh, Varlamov is a good goaltender, as you said, but he's not elite. So I don't know if the this signing will get them over the hump into the playoffs again for the second straight year. But again, Varlamov and Thomas Grace are the tandem going for the New York Islanders next year. Uh, Peter Mrazek signed a two-year deal with the Canes worth $3.1 million per year. Uh, I know that I believe they also acquired – the Carolina Hurricanes also acquired uh, James Reimer, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, over yeah. the weekend. So that's probably going to be another one-two goalie tandem that we could be seeing in the upcoming uh, season. And finally, we got the veteran Curtis McElhaney signs a two-year deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning worth $1.3 million per season. And the 36-year-old, actually, this is the biggest contract of his NHL career, if you can believe that. So at 36 years old, McElhaney signs the biggest contract of his career, backing up Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay. Yeah, this was, uh, I don't have much to say on this signing, besides that, good for Curtis McElhaney. Uh, Yeah, biggest contract of his NHL career at age 36. But they already have Louis Domingue, and I thought Louis Domingue had a really good season last year. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe he goes to the AHL to solidify the Syracuse crunch, or maybe they trade him away. But again, uh, you got to kind of see at the beginning of the year if Louis Domingue or Curtis Malcolm, you're going to kind of battle for the spot. Uh, but we'll see next year. 
Yeah, I don't think they're going to see too much playing time behind Vasilevsky anyway, so it shouldn't matter too much for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I think 1.3 to kind of sit on the bench, watch Vasilevsky possibly play, and relax on the bench in Tampa Bay is a pretty pretty interesting deal. I'd be happy with that. Okay. Well, time has come. We've we said throughout all the signings that we we're going to mention something at the end of the episode, and this is not the end of the episode, but we are mentioning some teams that have had a good offseason so far and some teams had a bad offseason so far. Uh, we've mentioned five teams, well, six teams for the good and uh, five teams for the bad. So we will start with me and Flager's favorite team. I don't know if Joseph wants to talk too much about the subject, but the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, have been busy the ca- last couple of weeks and last couple of days in the NHL in the offseason. So we'll start with the signings that they did on Friday. Casper uh, Kapanen and Andreas Janssen signed contract extensions with the Leafs. Uh, Kapanen is making 3.2 mil, and Andreas Janssen is making 3.4. Uh, kind of, I think these are kind of fair deals uh, for deaf players. Uh, I was kind of a little bit surprised to see that Kapanen was going to be making less than Andreas Janssen. Uh, it's not much less, but uh, definitely within the same range. Pretty fair deal, I think. Yeah, I think these are two great deals. I'm so happy to see them sign these contracts. Uh, Kapanen's actually through three years and Janssen's at four years. I forgot, for, forgot to mention that. But again, I think these two players will be key assets going in the future for the Leafs, um, the Leafs' success, and hopefully they can get actually out of the first round. So mm-hmm. uh, people were talking about Andreas Janssen making $5 million and Kasperi, Kasperi Kapanen making $4 million, And to see them make both less than that is pretty good for the Leafs going in the future with their cap situation. Uh, they got to sign Mitch Marner, so that guy still has to sign. I don't know what he's getting, but again, at the end of the day, um, this co- these two contracts combined are a bit more than Patrick Marlowe's contract, and obviously Patrick Marlowe got traded to the Carolina Hurricanes, so to see these two guys kind of equal out Marlowe's contract is pretty good for the Leafs and uh, for Kyle Dubas. Yeah, I think these are like amazing signings, honestly. Like, yeah, as Thomas said, like they were reported like four to five million each for basically both of them, and they both come in at under three point five each. So, for what they bring to the table, I'm pretty sure they can be better for next year, especially Kapanen, who had kind of a goal drought near the end of the season, still finished with twenty goals. So, these are great signings for the Leafs, even though they're a little bit short term, but I still think they're fantastic for the AAV. Uh, yeah, some. I guess I'll just read their stats quickly from last season. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen, 22-year-old forward, had an NHL career high in goals this season with 20 assists, 24 end points, 44 points, and 70, 78 regular season games with the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. He had two points, a goal, and an assist in seven Stanley Cup playoff games. And then uh, Andreas Janssen, 24-year-old forward, had 43 points, 20 goals, 23 assists in 73 games with the Leafs this season, and he had four points, one goal, and three assists in seven playoff games this year. You can mention a flag if you want. Uh, yeah, well, the Leafs were involved in a little trade with the Ottawa Senators over the weekend. Uh, they acquired Cody Cece, Ben Harper, Aaron Luchuk, and a 2023rd rounder for Nikita Zaitsev, Connor Brown, and Michael Carson. Yeah, Carson. Uh, I think yeah. this is a pretty uh, pretty solid deal, I think, for the Leafs. They're going to be getting Cody Cece. He's, uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play on the second line. Uh, defensive pairing. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, because the Leafs also acquired a big name in Tyson Berry. They got Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot 
and a 2026 round pick in exchange for Nazem Kadri, uh, Cal Rosen, and a 2023rd rounder. So the third rounder, third round picks kind of cancel out. The Leafs are going to be acquiring a third round pick, 2023rd round pick from uh, the Ottawa Senators, and then they're going to be giving up that third round pick to the Colorado Avalanche. So they're not really uh, like those picks kind of cancel each other out in those two trades. Uh, but the Leafs kind of like reshaped their entire defensive core. If you look at their defensive pairings, uh, they're going to have Morgan Riley on the left-hand side, first pairing, either Tyson Berry or Cody Cece. I would assume it's going to be Tyson, Tyson Berry playing uh, on the first line, right-hand defensive spot. Then they're going to have Muzzin and probably Cody Cece on the second pairing, then Travis Dermott and possibly Ben Harper on uh, the third pairing. So. They kind of reshaped their decor. I think that's kind of what they needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it for years. That the Leafs exactly, needed yeah. to do something with their defensive core. I think that's kind of what they need to get past the first round in the playoffs. So I think those were both really, really good deals for the Leafs. Uh, and that's really all I have to say about those deals. Like They're just great deals. I think I'm very happy with them, especially as a Leafs fan. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about the Cody CC trade first. I think this is a good deal for the Maple Leafs. Uh, Zaitsev has 45 with six years remaining on his deal. Um, so he's going to be going to the Ottawa Senators. And then Cody Ceci was an ARB, so uh, arbitration, so he's an RFA. Uh, so he signed a one-year contract with the Maple Leafs worth 4.5, so the exact same as Zaitsev's um, worth. But one year of CC and then six more years of Zaitsev, I'd rather take kind of Cody Ceci, even though he's not defensively great. But when I saw this trade, it was on Saturday. It wasn't confirmed till. Uh, Monday at free agency on July 1st. I thought CC was going to be the uh, first pairing defense with Morgan Riley. He's right-handed and he's pretty good offensively. He's okay, but he's not the best. But then they acquired Tyson Berry yesterday for Nazem Kadri, Kyler Rosen, a third round pick, which is tremendous. I think Berry is one of the best defense in the National Hockey League, one of the best offensive defense uh, defensemen in the National Hockey League. And I think he's going to be very, very good with Morgan Riley on top pairing. Uh, so he's definitely going to be playing with Morgan Riley instead of Cody Cece. And then I think Ben Harper, I mean, he's not that great. He's too tall and he's too slow, so I don't know where he's going to play. Maybe he goes to the AHL, but I really, really like Tyson Berry as a defenseman. Uh, he brings a lot of skill and a lot of points, and he's great on the power play. So he he's probably going to slot in in the second power play unit for the Maple Leafs next year. And I think that Alexander Kerfoot can be a, definitely a good replacement for Nazem Kadri in the third line. Uh, obviously, Kadri didn't have a great year last year, and he didn't fit that role well enough for the Leafs. But with the Colorado Avalanche on the second line, I think he's going to be very, very good. I think we can see uh, Nazem Kadri be- get back to his form with 30 goals, maybe 60 points next year, surrounded by Nathan McKinnon, Mikko Rantan, and Gabriel Landeskog, and Jonas Donskoy on the forward group. And I think that Tyson Berry, again, he's going to be playing with Morgan Riley basically the whole year. So we could see two defensemen on the Maple Leafs next year get over 60 points, which is, which is we haven't seen that in a long time from Maple Leafs defensemen. So I'm, I'm really excited for Tyson Berry. Now I know like Nazem Kadri has been with the Leafs since 2009. He was the longest tenured Leaf, being the seventh overall pick, like I said, in 2009. So what is your favorite moment of Nazem Kadri for each of you? Definitely when he got suspended in uh, the first round this year <laughs> against Boston because he, he has no discipline at all. I think he was hurting the least in the first round this year. So I was extremely happy to see him get suspended after uh, that hit. Okay. I, I think it was on okay, – uh, who, who was it on? It was on uh, McAvoy, right? Uh, uh, DeBrusque. DeBrusque, yeah, right. Anyways, I, I'm 
happy to see uh, Kadri okay. leaving. <laughs> okay. I'm not a big Nazem Kadri fan at all. I just think he's an undisciplined player. He's a hothead. He just kind of runs around on the ice with his head cut off half the time. As good of like, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a good, great player. He just has no discipline, and I think he's only hurt the Leafs uh, and hasn't hasn't done too much. Man, just I put mean, him on blast there. I know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not a big Kadri fan at all. So you I've like been, this I've trade? Been holding. Then. Oh, I love that. Of course, I love that trade. I'm just happy to see Kadri going. I think he's gonna have success in Colorado as well. Colorado is a great team. Uh, especially with the depth that they acquired from this trade and from uh, other signings, but I'm I'm just not a big Kadri guy at all, and I'm very happy to see him leaving. I've been holding that in for a while now, so. Man, okay, it's like some therapy here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite Nazem Kadri moment, uh, probably when he scored the first goal of the season, the lockout season versus the Montreal Canadiens, and then he followed it up the next game with a goal against the Buffalo Sabers. To they didn't win the game, but they uh, got in to a one goal like he didn't do much in the playoffs for the Leafs again like he scored some goals but again like the favorite moments comes from like I don't know like his play I guess he was hard determined but again Flager mentioned no discipline he wasn't that great at doing that but again when you get a guy who has back-to-back 30 goal seasons I very much appreciate that from Nazem Kadri and what he did for the Maple Leafs and I'll just read some stats here. Obviously, he was drafted number seven overall in the 2009 NHL draft. Uh, Kadri had 357 points, 161 goals, 196 assists, and 561 games, and 10 points, three goals, seven assists, and 19 NHL playoff games with the Maple Leafs. I'm going to miss Kadri, but uh, Flager's not going to miss him at all. <laughs> so he definitely likes to trade, I'm, and I do I'm too. Definitely, I'm going to miss him. Like he is, He's kind of been a core player since uh, like 2010, whenever his first season was. But I just I'm I don't like him simply because he's undisciplined and like I said like he's always in the box especially in the playoffs against the Bruins. You see yeah. the Bruins in the first round for multiple years, and he always seems to get ticked off and take a stupid penalty or suspension rather, uh, and it kind of hurts the Leafs in the long run. So that's why I'm going because I don't think he's I never saw him being a part of the Leafs' long term plans, uh, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm happy to see him gone. One thing that we, honest. I don't think we, I don't know if you guys mentioned this, but one thing that also Colorado did was retain fifty percent of Barry's cap hit, which is five point five. So that really helps the Leafs out that's a lot. They, yeah, yeah. That's why they had to give up that third round pick. But you're basically getting Tyson Barry at two point seven five million, which it even, which is even better than getting him at five point five. Yeah, yeah that's that was one thing that I forgot to mention. That's yeah, that's another great thing too. Uh, and the Leafs still. I think they still have quite a bit of cap space to work with if they really uh, wanted to make more moves. I mean, they got to sign Marner and Kerfoot, so I don't know if they have that much cap, but anyways. That's a good point. I I just checked. They have just over 11 mil in cap space. Uh, So, I guess we're going to have to see what Marner gets because he's asking for a lot of money. All right, so now we're going to switch over to the New York Rangers. So they, as we said before, they signed the big fish in Artemi Panarin uh, to that massive seven-year $81.5 million contract. They also had other moves that we highlighted in previous episodes, like trading for Jacob Truba. They haven't signed him yet, though, but they do have his rights, and they are negotiating on a contract, as well as obviously getting Capo Caco a second overall in the 2019 NHL draft. So... 
it looks like the Rangers have made a couple good moves here in the past few weeks to months. So what do you guys think about the Rangers offseason so far? It's been a good one. Um, I have a little stat. The team that has drafted second overall in the NHL entry draft the last three seasons has made the playoffs the following season. So there's a lot of pressure on the Rangers, I guess, to make the playoffs next season. It looks like they're all in, especially after acquiring uh, Artemi Panarin. Now they're going to have Kat Pokako. They brought in Jacob Truba. Um, I have a list of ins and outs here. So obviously the Rangers brought in uh, Artemi Panarin. They drafted Kako. They brought in 21 third rounder, brought in Jacob Truba and another defenseman in Adam Fox. And all they really gave up was Jimmy VC, a 29th first round pick and Neil Pionk and a 2019 second rounder and a 2020 third rounder. So they didn't give up a ton for mm -hmm. um, what they acquired really. So I think, I think they're having a great off season and that's why they're on this list. Yeah, I think they've had a tremendous offseason with the draft. Obviously, Capocacco going second overall. And that's a pretty cool stat that you found there, Flager. I don't know where you found it, but I I don't want to mention where you got it from. But um, that puts a lot of fortune towards the New York Rangers next year. I mean, I wrote an article about them on the rise, and I think they can make the playoffs next year with all the young talent they have. They just need to get solid goaltending, consistent goaltending from Georgiev and Lundqvist. I don't know when Lundqvist is going to get his 450th win or whatever he's freaking at, and we've been Hopefully talking about that. Hopefully it's the first game of the season. Yeah, like, and Panarin is going to be a solid player for them in the future with alongside Mika Zabinijad. And there's a lot of rumor about Chris Kreider getting dealt next year at the trade deadline, but if the New York Rangers are in a good spot, then I don't see them trading Chris Kreider when they're going to go to the playoffs. Again, this team has a lot of young talent, and I don't think they're done drafting. But when you have a decor of Brady Shea, Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, uh, Jacob Truba needs a deal, he's an RFA, and Anthony D'Angelo needs a deal of because uh, he's an RFA. And they have Mark Stahl still and Kevin Shankirk. I think it's pretty good, you know, and again, the Rangers need goaltending for them to make the playoffs next year, and I, I see it happening. But I don't know if they're actually going to be really, really bad, the Rangers, next year. Yeah, there's been a lot of moves in the Metropolitan Division as well, so maybe... He might even sneak into that wild card position in the Metro. So they are looking pretty good, the Rangers. But one thing I wanted to mention, NBA free agency was also on June 30th on Sunday. And the Knicks strike out on Durant and Kyrie Irving. So to make up for that, James Dolan, who is the owner of the Knicks and the Rangers, he signed Panarin away from the Islanders, who is rumored to almost have a deal in place for Panarin. So at least they managed to get Panarin away from another New York team. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know who Vitaly Kravstov is. Um, I, and I don't know if you would actually consider May. Um, like, I guess May would be considered the Rangers offseason because the NHL was in playoffs, but the Rangers weren't in the playoffs, obviously. Um, anyways, back in May, they signed Vitaly Kravstov, uh, who was their ninth overall pick in the 2018 entry draft. And uh, he's one of the team's top prospects. Mm -hmm. They signed him to an entry-level contract. Uh, and he's probably going to be um, making the roster this year as well. So that's another player who will be helping hopefully make the playoffs next season. Yeah, he's he's really good. And we've seen the youth movement throughout the whole NHL with all these young players stepping in and making a big impact on the NHL roster. And I think Rangers are going to be one of these teams. I guess it's time to move on to the third team on this list. 
Uh, the Florida Panthers have also had an amazing offseason, I would say. Uh, they got James Reimer. Uh, sorry, they traded away James Reimer to the Carolina Hurricanes um, on Sunday this weekend for goalie Scott Darling and a sixth-round pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, then they signed Bobrovsky worth 10 mil for seven years. 10 mil per year for seven years. Um, Akari for 1.67 per year for three years. Uh, Brett Connolly for 3.25 million per for four years. And Anton Strahlman for three years at 5.5 million per. So they made a, a lot of moves. Uh, but they're, obviously their biggest signing would have been Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. He went 37-24-1 with a 2.58 goals against average last season and a .913 save percentage. And an NHL leading nine shutouts in 62 games. 61 of them were starts with the Columbus Blue Jackets last season. Uh, he's the Blue Jackets all-time leader in wins with 213 and shutouts three. And when the Vesna Trophy was voted the best goalie in the NHL twice in his seven seasons with Columbus in 20, the 2020-12 season. The 2020-12-13 season and 2016-2017 season. Yep. Yeah, well, when you get the best, uh, probably one of the best goalies in the NHL, Sergei Bobrovsky, to your team, uh, and you add him to already good lineup, I think that the Florida Panthers could make the playoffs next year, and they definitely have the skills and assets to do it. <laughs> Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberdor, Mike Hoffman, uh, Vincent Trocek, Aaron Ekblad, you just name the names that they have and the young talent they have. And adding like an elite goalie like Sergei Bobrovsky definitely puts them over the hump. They just weren't getting the saves from Roberto Luongo and James Reimer last year. And to just just sign Sergei Bobrovsky is definitely great for their organization. And then they added guys like Achari and Connolly, who are going to add a tremendous uh, bit of depth for them going into the playoffs. And hopefully they make the playoffs. But in the regular season, it's definitely going to help a lot too because they didn't have that last year. They, didn't, they were weak on the depth side of things. So that uh, those two players are going to help them a lot. Yeah, one thing that we also can't overlook is that they signed one of the winningest coaches in NHL history. In yeah, that Quenville. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having Quenville and his pedigree and his his he knows how to win, obviously with three cups in Chicago, having him as the head coach and kind of guiding a fairly young Florida Panthers team to the playoffs and possibly beyond the first round, as they did a couple years ago versus Islanders. So I think having Quenville there, his calming presence, he knows how to win. He knows how to get the best out of his players as he did in Chicago. So that I don't think look overlooking Quinville is probably the biggest offseason move they could have made other than Bobrovsky, of course, stabil stabilizing that uh goaltending. So I think the Florida Panthers are looking good for next season and hopefully they make the playoffs because I really like their core over there. Yeah, they just missed the playoffs um this past season. They had eighty six points. Uh and I believe the cutoff to make the playoffs was uh, about 100 so they they were weren't quite there they almost made it um i think acquiring Bobrovsky is gonna really put them over that hump and probably get them into the playoffs next season i I could imagine okay and we'll switch gears to the other conference and it's the dallas stars making some noise in the free agency market they signed joe pavelski the longtime captain of the san jose sharks to a three-year deal worth 21 million dollars uh seven million dollars per season uh, Pavelski had 64 points, 38 goals, 26 assists in 75 regular season games, 9 points, 4 goals, 5 assists in 13 Stanley Cup playoff games with the San Jose Sharks. 
He's been there for his whole career, and to see him leave is pretty sad for San Jose fans, especially because he was the captain. And now they're going to need a, need to name a new one. But he's joining Dallas Stars, and I think he's going to add a tremendous lot of uh, stress over Ben Sagan and Radulov. He's going to add a lot more scoring to their lineup because they basically just got a lot of scoring from their top line, not met much depth on that team uh, besides, I guess, Rupe Hintz his first season last year as well. And they also signed Corey Perry to a $1.5 million deal deal for one year and Andre Sekera for one year, uh, $1.5 million. So I think these two players, Perry and Pavelski, could add a lot more depth and scoring to their uh, lineup. They didn't have much last year. And Sekera is a good defenseman. He's okay at the price he's at, but he's going to add a lot more stress off their decor because their decor was good last year, but it's going to even add more success to their defensive core last year. And again, if they want to get in the playoffs, Ben Bishop's got to be good again. He was very good last season. He went on that run of games where he didn't allow a goal for like, I don't know, 200 minutes or something like that. It was crazy. And he's going to need to stop the puck a lot next year. And this team is going to look towards scoring next year. Pavelski's 38 goals last year. And to add that type of the guy for $7 million for three years is pretty good. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, adding Captain America to your lineup is going to help. Uh, you you kind of mentioned it already how adding Pavelski is going to take off pressure off of Jamie Benn, uh, Tyler Sagan, and Radulov, uh, and he, he'll put pucks in the net for you and help set up some goals as well. I was very upset to see him leave San Jose. I really thought he was going to resign there, and I hopefully he could end his career there in the future. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see that the Stars went for Corey Perry, though, because he's, he's getting old. Uh, he had a pretty shitty season last year. Uh, I think he's kind of washed up, but I mean, then again, uh, a one-year deal for $1.5 million isn't a lot of money at all, and it's not really a big commitment for the Stars, so maybe they're just adding experience there for depth, and Andre Sakara, he's, uh, I, I'm assuming he's going to play on the third pairing in Dallas, uh, I can't see him being a second um, pairing defenseman, but that's not a bad deal either, $1.5 mil for um, for one year as well. Uh, that's, I think it's solid. They, they made some solid, solid moves. Um, adding firepower up front with Pavelski is really going to help them have some success in the playoffs next year, assuming they make the playoffs. Yeah. I like these signings as well. You signed a veteran Pavelski, who's a proven goal scorer. He had a great season last year. Um, a 7 million is a little bit steep, but it is only three years. And I kind of, I think the stars needed that second, uh, scoring option behind Ben Sagan Radulov, as you guys mentioned before. Um, in terms of signing Perry and Sakara, I think these are great signings for just to veterans who want to prove that they can still compete in this league. Perry just got bought out. Uh, Sakara got bought out. So both of these guys have some motivation to prove that they can still, they still have some gas left in the tank. And at 1.5, I mean, for Perry, for example, you could probably get, if healthy, probably 15 to 20 goals out of him, if not more, if he has a good year. Sakara is probably your fifth defenseman. He's a pretty good skater, good passer. Uh, can, st- can stabilize that uh, third pairing. So I think overall, though, the Stars are, were very active in free agency and signing a bunch of veterans who know how to win and uh, can contribute still at the NHL level was invaluable to them. Well, again, like, I'm going to just bounce off that. Like This team took the St. Louis Blues to seven games in round two, and they yeah. just get, if they get a goal, they're the, off to the conference finals. And adding Pavelski, Perry, and Sekera might put that put them over the hump because like 
Again, as I mentioned, their depth wasn't amazing last year, the Dallas Stars. They had trouble scoring on the depth roles, but they were good on the power play. And I think that these guys are going to add a lot more scoring. And Pavelski lights out on the power play. So, again, Pavelski, I think, is the best part of this uh, signing for the Dallas Stars heading into next year. Yep, I think I have to agree with that, too. And we're going to switch over to the Colorado Avalanche, who we think had also a very good offseason. So as we mentioned before, we extensively talked about the trade with the Leafs, with them getting Nazem Kadri, Callie Rosen, and a third-round pick. Things changed for Barry, Kerfoot, and a six. So we already discussed heavily about that. So we think that, as we mentioned before, that they uh, filled a need in getting a second-line center, which they did in Kadri. Uh, the reason they gave up Barry is because they believe they have defensemen up and coming like Makar, uh, Samuel Gerrard, and players like that so they have they have others but I, I can't name them at the top of my head they also signed as I mentioned before Jonas Donskoy to a four-year deal with 3.9 Colin Wilson re-signing worth 2.6 for one year and then Belmar for the fourth line at two years worth 1.8 so I think the Avalanche they kind of they filled their need for their second line center they added some depth on the wings like Donskoy Wilson and then Belmar their fourth line center they needed to help out that McKinnon line who was just absolutely carrying that offense <laughs> yeah. for most of the year and in the playoffs as well. So just kind of taking the pressure off of that line that Joe Sakic felt was important. And then, to like I said before, to sacrifice Barry, you had to get a good second-line center, which Kadri is on most teams. So I think the Avalanche have made some a couple of good moves here for depth. And yep. what do you guys think overall about the Avalanche? I mean, I think they've had offseason before. They've made some trades as well um other than the one with the toronto maple leafs they traded away back on june 25th they traded away carl soderberg for kevin connaughton and a 2023 round pick and then they also um on june 28th they traded burakovsky acquired burakovsky from the capitals for scott smachuk uh 2022nd round pick and a 2023rd round pick um, and then they also made a smaller trade with the florida panthers on june 29th uh, they got Jacob McDonald uh, for Dominic Tonantanato. I can't even pronounce his last name. <laughs> That's just a smaller trade. Doesn't really make a difference for their lineup there. I think those are just uh, like AHL players. Um, and then obviously we talked about the Leafs trade. So they've acquired um, some pretty good assets. Uh, their lineup, their offense is kind of looking scary. If you look at it, they have, they're have they going to have Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen probably yeah. on the first line. Then they acquired um, Nazem Kadri uh, for their second line. I would, I'm assuming he's going to play on their second line. He's probably going to play Burakovsky on the right wing and then Tyson Joss on the on left wing. And they have Don Skoy on the left wing on the third line. JT Carter centering that third line. And then Colin Wilson on the right, on the right wing. Uh, and then their fourth line is going to be Matt Calvert. Pierre Edouard Bellemar from Vegas, who uh, who they signed, I believe they signed him uh, uh, this past weekend, and then they're gonna have Matthew Nito probably on the right wing on that fourth line. So their offense is looking pretty scary, and I think that the depth that they've added in the off season yeah. is definitely gonna help them have some success. Uh, I know that that first line, the Av- Colorado Avalanche first line, was kind of carrying the Avs throughout the regular season last year, and I think that especially adding and Burakovsky on their second line now is definitely going to help them have some success next season. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, what we mentioned about the Dallas Stars. The first line was doing all the work and the, like. you weren't getting depth from much players. Now they add Nazem Kadri, Jonas Donskoy, and players like that, and that's going to take a lot of stress off the first line now. 
Nazem Kadri again, if he can get back to the 30-goal form, Nazem Kadri, it's going to be amazing for the Colorado Avalanche. And um, Joseph, you can't, me- you didn't, you forgot to mention because uh, you, uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess you just kind of forgot their names. But Bowen Ryram, they just drafted this past weekend, and Connor Timmons is in their uh, farm system. So those are two guys that could step in next year for the Colorado Avalanche and make an impact. And obviously, they have Kale McCarr, who's an unbelievable skater. So again, like. They kind of need a backup goalie as well, the Avalanche. They have they a no-name. They did just sign Pavel Fran- Francouz um, as their backup. He was not a great backup. No, he's not uh, good at all. Who the hell is that guy? Yeah, yeah no, I don't, I don't know who that is. I'm just, just mentioning uh, what I have in my notes here. But I, I think the one thing that will hold them back next season, I should say, is they're going to be their goaltending. That was one thing I wanted yeah. to talk about. Phil Grubauer is their starter right now, so that's not, not an ideal starting goalie in the NHL, I think. He's all right, but he's got to make the saves that are needed to make. And again, like they should probably kind of go after Cam Ward. Uh, he's the best goalie free agent on the market right now. I think he's a lot better than uh, Pavel Franchus or whatever the hell his name is. Francouz. Francouz. So, yeah, the Colorado Avalanche also took um, the San Jose Sharks to seven games like the Dallas Stars took the St. Louis Blues. And they just need that extra extra boost. They need the depth. They need the, the goaltending. So, I don't know. I see the Colorado Avalanche making the playoffs. But, again, they got to get Burakovsky signed, JT Confer signed, Miko Rantanen signed, and Nikita Zadorov signed. So, they have they $27 s- million dollars to do it. I was going to say, they have a lot of cap space, but their cap hits uh, yeah. negatives right now. So, that's not good. But, but, yeah, they do have a lot of cap space to make those moves in the future. And right. we were originally going to um, make this list only five teams long. Well, we decided to make it six because we believe that the New Jersey Devils need to be mentioned in this conversation as one of the teams with the better off seasons. Uh, they have made some pretty big moves. They uh, obviously acquired PK Subban in a trade with the National Predators. They gave up Steve, Stephen uh, Santini, Jeremy Davies, a 2020 second round pick and a 2019 second round pick. Um, by the way, the 2019 second round pick that they uh, ended up giving up in this trade, I believe they also acquired back in February when they made a trade with the Boston Bruins. They um, they gave away Johansson, I think, uh, but the, in in exchange they got a second round pick, so they're not really losing yeah. um, that 2019 second round pick there. Uh, they also acquired John Hayden for John Quenville. And then obviously they drafted Jack Hughes this year, so I think they they made some pretty big moves. Not too many moves, but I think enough moves that could put them in the playoff conversation next season. Oh, and I also forgot to mention that they um, signed Wayne Simmons to a one year, five million um, per year. So that was also another bigger move. What, what do you guys think about the Devils offseason though so far? Yeah, the Devils have really kind of changed their franchise around a little bit. They Got the fortune of drafting Hughes this year with the lottery uh, draft. So that, like, having Hughes is, I guess, he's probably going to be their first-line center for, like, at least the next decade. Um, could really change a franchise and motivate uh, ownership to kind of be aggressive and kind of build uh, around Hughes. Um, someone that we also did mention was Taylor Hall, who missed most of last year with an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a UFA next summer. And Ray Shiro and the gen and the the general manager Ray Shiro and the brass of the New Jersey Devils are really intent on keeping Hall, 
and trying to kind of surround him because he he was the MVP a few seasons ago. Trying to surround him, saying, "Hey, we want you here. We want to win with you here. We're trying to surround you with young players like Hughes and Heesher, and you're gonna be the first line left wing star. We want you here in New Jersey. You got PK Subban to solidify the defense. So they're kind of trying to make a case to Hall that hey, we're actually trying to win here. We're not just gonna be complacent. So them showing Hall that and whether Hall decides to resign or not is completely up to him." But uh, the Devils, with their fortune of drafting Hughes especially, um, are really making a case for Hall to try and resign there for the future. Yeah, I think the New Jersey Devils are doing a great job this offseason. They're just not going in a shell mode and going rebuild all the way. They have $20 million cap space currently right now, and they need to sign Pavel, Zaka, uh, Mirko Mueller, Will Butcher, and Connor Carrick for next year in order to play. But those guys aren't going to be a lot of money, and I think they're going to walk into next season with around like I don't know 12 10 million dollars of cap space so adding again like I said adding Wayne Simmons he's going to be in front of the net on the power play he's going to piss off the other uh, opponent opponent's goalie and going on Hall now like he's going to want a lot because he's seeing a lot of uh, free agents got a lot of money and a lot of RFAs going to get a lot of money and I think Hall again he won the MVP uh, last year he's making six million dollars right now I think if he were to demand a lot of money right now, and he's not negotiating during the season, he's already said that with his agent, he honestly could get around $9 million per year. And I don't, don't think that would be stupid because Taylor Hall's a great player, and he's going to be great for the New Jersey Devils when he plays with either he or Hughes for his uh, whole career if he signs with the Devils. So we're looking at a big uh, next couple years for the Devils. And again, going to their goaltending, I don't think Corey Schneider is the guy going to be stopping pucks for the uh, goal, uh, New Jersey Devils not heading to the playoffs. I don't think because of this kind of goalie, he's going to be 34 next year. He's making $6 million per season. Didn't have the greatest year this year. And I don't think he's the goalie for the future. Mackenzie Blackwood obviously is. He's 22 years old. But is he ready to take that next step for the Devils? I don't know. We'll see next season. But if... They're going to try and make the playoffs and have an improvement. I don't think Corey Schneider is the guy who's going to put them over the top. Yeah, I completely agree uh, with that goaltending situation that the Devils have. They don't really have a starter yet. They, they might trust Schneider to kind of get things going at the beginning of the season, but then if anything, they might do a, a split with him and Mackenzie Blackwood, as you mentioned, who kind of played a couple games last year. played pretty decent, I would say. So that's the only big question mark I think I have with New Jersey is just who's going to be in net for them. It's going to be Blackwood, Schneider, someone else. There's just some question marks there in goal for sure. Uh, I also, I don't know if you guys mentioned that the the New Jersey Devils have like an extremely young core of forwards coming up. They have, obviously we talked about Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, but they also have Jesper Bratt, uh, Pavel Zaka, and I believe even Mikey McLeod. So that like, there's a, a bright future for the the forwards of the New Jersey Devils here. I think that the defensive pairings, um, or sorry, the defensive core of the New Jersey New Jersey Devils is going to be one of the better ones um, next season. They have uh, Sammy Vatanen, PK Subban, Andy Green, uh, Damon Severson, Connor Carrick, and probably Will Butcher is going to be playing on that third pairing. Uh, so I think. It's going to be definitely going to be an underrated defensive core um, heading into next season. I think they could be one of the better ones in the NHL. We'll see. Okay, I think that's it for the good teams. Uh, we'll get to the middle team here that we couldn't decide 
if they were going to be in that top tier yet. Uh, I think Joseph really wants to talk about this one, this, the Montreal Canadiens. So, Joseph, go ahead. So, the Montreal Canadiens, the only move they've made as of right now was signing Keith Kincaid, which is backup, carry price to one year, $1.75 million, which is a solid signing. But the real news that they got involved with yesterday was sending an offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo, an RFA of the Carolina Hurricanes. So they offer sheeted Ajo five years, around 8.454 million AAV. But the deal was was to front load the first year of the deal, paying Ajo 21 million in the first 12 months of his deal. So the reason Montreal decided to offer sheet Ajo was because they had an inside track record of Carolina's revenue and their uh, finances, and they decided to send an offer sheet with a lower AAB for five years to Aho, who actually did sign the offer sheet, so he was going to come if Carolina did not match to the Montreal Canadiens. So what ended up happening was Carolina is intending on matching. I don't know if it's a 1,000% official yet, but the owner came out and said that they will match the offer sheet and saying that it was a waste of time, but... I mean, it's a low-risk, high-reward move for the Canadians, so I don't see why they're going to get uh, like slandered, basically, for this offer sheet move. If anything, they saved Carolina some money, but they did have Ajo sign, which could signal something that he might want to come to Montreal after the five years. Who knows? But he did sign the offer sheet, so that's what I have to think about this one. Um, that was kind of random, in my opinion, though, because... The Canadians are kind of going through a rebuild. Uh, they like have been trading for a bunch of draft picks, and they'd have to give up a bunch of draft picks in order to bring Aho um, from the offer sheet into Montreal. So I thought it was kind of random and just kind of a waste of time, I guess, as the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes said. But, I mean, that, uh, the Montreal Canadiens kind of did help out Carolina in um, – deciding Ajo's contract because he's going to be he's obviously going to be making the same amount of money um, as Montreal offered Ajo so I think this is a, a good like not good sorry not good deal um, I think this is really smart on the Canadians they put a ton of pressure on the Carolina Hurricanes in that first year paying them 21 million dollars they only make 25 million dollars in ticket sales so in his first year they got to pay him 20 million dollars and whatever I don't think they're able to do it, but they're going to find a way to do it. They have to. He's their star player. He's probably one of their best franchise players that's going to be on their team for the next couple of years, five years for sure now. And the Montreal Canadiens need a first-line center, so I don't see why people are bashing this. Uh, it's a smart move. Instead of trading a bunch of bunch of assets, they're only going to be trading a first, second, and third for Sebastian Ajo, which is a steal. I think he's worth more than that. And they're, they're, they are helping the Carolina Hurricanes out because I think he will sign with the Hurricanes. But like it's not dumb at all for the Montreal Canadiens, and it hasn't been done in years. So it's we're fine. The fans are finally getting relief that this has been done, and a GM actually has the nut sacks to do this. So Mark <laughs> Vergeman, I give credit to. But if they're looking for a number one center in the RFA market, I think they're not. The Montreal Canadiens aren't done. I think they're going to oh, look no, for this no. number one center. So whether it's the caliber of Sebastian Howard, the age of Sebastian Howard, I think they aren't done. They're going to find a number one center for next year, and I don't know if they're going to be rebuilding next year because they have a lot of young talent. And as we've seen, young talent is winning now. They're the big part of teams, why they win. So the Montreal Canadiens could be a lot better and maybe could fit in that playoffs next year. I don't know if they're going to rebuild Flager. Like it's, they have a pretty yeah. good team. 
I'm just saying from what it looks like this offseason, for example, um, they've been trading away just a bunch of players for draft picks. For example, they uh, traded Nicholas DeLaurier for a fourth round. They got a four, 2020 fourth round pick and then traded Andrew Shaw back to the Chicago Blackhawks for, and uh, sorry, Andrew Shaw um, and a 2021 seventh rounder to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for a 2020 second round pick, 2027th round pick, and a 2021 third round pick. So it just looks like they're they're loading up on all these picks. Maybe they'll trade them away and they'll try to acquire like uh, a number one center or something like that. Um, with that being said, though, they do have they did just draft Cole Caulf- Caulfield. Cool. Yeah. Um, he's a, probably the best pure goal scorer to come out of the 2019 draft. Uh, an amazing right winger. He's under a little bit smaller end. Uh, I think he's only like five seven or something like that. But he's definitely that's not going to hold them back. Um, playing at the NHL level, I think. So he should. I I would expect him to crack their lineup maybe next year, possibly. Um, if not next season, then the season after that. Uh, but they do. They have a lot of young talent. Um, up and coming, and it, I'm just saying that it looks like from that those trades that they were acquiring, they acquired four draft picks in next year's draft, three draft picks in next year's draft, and then that 2021 pick, um, in, in the draft after next year's draft, uh, for basically nobody's that meant something to their lineup right so i'm just saying from what it looks like this offseason it looks like they're trying to load up on picks and maybe rebuild or something like that i mean Um, i I think for me uh, sorry tom yeah go Uh, i think for me in my opinion they were trading shaw and delorde's contracts for cap space to sign aho they only had about less than nine million with those guys so they traded shaw and delorde to bump it up to about 12 million and then offer sheeted aho in the hopes that he would sign and then he would eat up that cap space that they traded away so they kind of just gain mm-hmm. more cap so they can sign someone but yeah as thomas mentioned before i don't think they're done in the rfa i, I could legitimately seeing them offer she braden point of tampa if they feel like they can get him at a half decent cost i don't know if they're gonna do the 10.5 or whatever with four round, first round picks. Like I don't think he's worth that much, but they could definitely with all those picks that they have, they could definitely try to offer sheet point at maybe over nine million or something like that. Yeah, just to that would screw Tampa. Yeah, screw Tampa over. So I don't think they're done dipping in the RFA market just yet. Yeah, that's no, that's a good point. I don't think I think they will still go for a center. I don't know if they'll get like a an elite center to to join uh, their forwards there, but I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I want to go back to the offer sheet for Ajo, though, for uh, just a moment. You think that that offer sheet that I think Ajo is going to be making 8.5 per year or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that's going to affect the Leafs and Mitch Marner's contract situation? I don't think so. Um, One's a center, one's a winger. I think center was more valued, but at the end of the day, Mitch Marner can't compare himself to other RFAs. He's got to compare himself uh, compare himself to players in his organization. Is he better than Matthews? Probably not. Matthews means more to the team. He's a best, better goal scorer, and he's the centerman and franchise player of their uh, team. And Mitch Marner, I mean, people have been complaining a lot about this, the fans and other fans of other teams. Like, he hasn't signed yet. He had 94 points this season. Is he better than Braden Point? Points a center. I mean, you can't be comparing yourself to other teams' players, best players. When you got to focus on your own team, like you compared to yourself to your own team. I've heard that countless times on the radio, 
why are you comparing yourself to Braden Point? Well, he's a different position. Okay, compare yourself to Miko Rantanen, but Miko Rantanen's on the Colorado Avalanche. He should be comparing himself to Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and players like that. And I don't think this affects uh, Mitch Marner at all. Uh, Sebastian Howe wanted 9.5. He's getting 8.5, so I think it's good for Carolina. But yeah, with your question there, I don't think um, Mitch Marner has any trouble dealing with this contract that Aho is going to sign. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, like, I don't think anything is going to deteriorate what Marner wants or what Marner thinks he's going to get. I don't know if it's, it's his agent, his dad, whoever the oh hell is God. involved with this fucking negotiation. <laughs> it's kind of annoying at this point. Just sign a contract. You're, Very annoying. You're from Toronto. You can sign a contract that's close to Matthews. You're not getting Matthews money. Sorry, there's no way around it. You're not as good as him. You're not the face of the franchise. You you haven't hit 30 goals in your life. You can set up Tavares all day long, but at the end of the day, you don't play center. You're not a driving force. In terms and you're not of, the best player on your team. Yeah, yeah. You're not the driving force on your team. You're not the best player on the team, as Thomas said. So just sign a contract with about yeah. $10 because that's the most that you should get, to be honest. You're not, you shouldn't be paid more than Nikita Kucherov, who's at 9.5. No so, one should. That was just my rant about Marner because it's pissing me off on the news all the time. Just sign the damn contract. I don't want this to be like Nylander where he signs two seconds before the deadline. All right, well, what about Panarin? He just signed a monster deal, 11.5 mil per year with the Rangers. Um, I know like the situation is a little bit different, but Marner had, what, 94 points last season? Panarin had 87 or something like that. Yep. Didn't even have any points. Does that affect anything? Are are you no. are you just you it, guys should disagree? No, I I, I agree. I, I agree. I don't think I think every team has their own situations. Uh, obviously, um, every team is gonna have like a certain amount of spending money, um, and like their cap space is gonna be different. So I I agree with you guys. I don't think it will. None of these signings will affect that mm-hmm. Marner situation. But I, it was just a question that I thought yeah, I yeah. would ask. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, I guess we'll kind of hurry up the last part here because we're, we're this is a long episode again, like last week's. Uh, we're going to get to the worst off-seasons now, and we're starting with the, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, we'll let Andrew and uh, Joseph talk about that more since they have a lot more to rant about. So uh, you guys talk about this one. Uh, Joe, let's start with the Minnesota Wild. All right, so the Minnesota Wild, they uh, signed, like I said before, they signed Zuccarello, which I don't think is a good signing for that team specifically. I think Zuccarello is a good player. That Very contract is probably well-deserved in his own right, especially for his height and how much he was scrutinized. And he also had a brain injury a few years ago Yeah, that almost cost him his life. So good on Zuccarello for that. But he is a very good player. But I just don't see why the Minnesota Wild would give out this contract to this player. They're kind of in that phase where they're not good enough to compete in the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to tank. And they're a much older roster than other teams in the league who are transitioning to youth. So I just don't think this deal makes sense for the Wild. Yeah, they all... I feel like, do you want to mention anything before I... Well, talk? I think that the Wild right now, looking at their lineup, it looks like they're going to be uh, like a borderline playoff team. Like, they might not make the cut next season. And I think that if they want to make the playoffs, they should have been making some, some bigger deals. Uh, I think getting Zuccarello... Uh, it was a good sign. Like he's a good player and everything. Yes, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if he's worth that kind of money. Uh, but I think that they just need, if they want to make playoffs, they need to start making some more moves. Yep. That's why. List. 
the second worst team on this list is the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they're famously known for losing Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Duchesne, and Artemi Panarin in one offseason. So that's part of the main reason why they're on that list. Yeah, they also, Dezingle is doesn't hasn't signed anywhere yet, but he could also be leaving the Columbus Blue Jackets. I know the only move that they made was adding Gustav Nyquist to a four-year deal, which, as we said, is pretty solid. And he, they also re-signed Ryan Murray as well, their 2012 uh, second overall pick back in 2012, as I said before. Gosh. So those are the only two moves they've really made so far. Their goaltending going to rely basically on Corpus Allo, who was back up to Bobrovsky last year. I mean, they tried to go all in. They swept the Lightning, which was incredible, an incredible story. But... They didn't really get too much far after that, losing to Boston in six games. But I think they just struck out on all those guys, and it just kind of really hurt their team. I think that the Columbus Blue Jackets are still a good team. They're not as good as they were in their last game they played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, they're a good team. They still have Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, he's 21 years old. He's going to be an RFA next year. He's the driving. He's the probably going to be their best centerman of, like, for a long time now, and they still have Cam Atkinson and guys like that, but they have a tremendous decor they have there. They got to get Zach Orwenski done, and like you said, their goalie tandem is going to be Jonas Corposalo starting and the real Elvis, Elvis Michelinkins. So I don't know, I don't know if the Columbus Blue Jackets trust them enough, but they do. They signed with the contracts yesterday, so we're going to look at a very different Metropolitan Division with the Columbus Blue Jackets losing all these guys and. I mean, if you have to pick a number of metropolitan teams, I guess Columbus has got to be in there for the playoffs. They still have a good enough team to do it, but I don't know if they're going to be uh, very scary enough to do it without Panarin, Duchesne, and Bobrovsky. Uh, let's move on to the fourth team on the list, I guess. Or Sorry, the third team on the list. Um, Joe, I know you're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins are on oh, our boy. list of worst off-seasons so far. Maybe they should be one. And honestly, my God, Pittsburgh. So where do I even begin? <laughs> where do you even they, start? They traded Phil Kessel for like yeah. basically Galchenyuk straight up. That's how I see it, anyways. There's a there's another uh, P.O. Joseph Pierre Oliver Joseph who was their Arizona's 2017 first round pick, I believe. Yep. Whether he shapes into something or not, we will never know yet until he makes his NHL debut. Um, Galchenyuk. He used to be a Montreal Canadian, traded one for one for Domi, has won that one, of <laughs> course. <laughs> and uh, so Galchenyuk's not a terrible player, but if you're trading someone like Phil Kessel, who's been basically over a point per game the past two seasons, and a key contributor to your two back-to-back cup runs, you just trade him for like under market value, I think. I still think he's worth more than what they got from him. They also got a second-round pick in that deal, but I mean it kind of signals the end for Pittsburgh. Like, I don't know really yeah. know what Jim Rutherford's doing over there. And then now I got to get to the Brandon Tanev signing six years, 3.5 million per season. Like what the fuck is this? Game <laughs> fourth, help for third, third, fourth liner. Exactly. Third liner, six years. Like, what is this guy going to help you with? Like he will barely get you 30 points a season. He could hit anything in sight. But I just don't know what Jim Rutherford's doing. He was just inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame yeah, as a like, nominee. And he's basically ruining the Penguins with Crosby and Malkin still the pillars of that team. The Tang's obviously still there too. But they're probably just scratching their heads like, what is our GM doing right now? He's like stripping away Phil Kessel, massive part of the team the past four years. 
adding guys like Tanev to just hit basically for six mm-hmm. years. And their defense is just not looking good at all. After they traded Olimata, all they have left is like Latang and like uh, Schultz, Dumoulin. Schultz, Dumoulin, yeah. But Jack- those guys are pretty injury prone. Jack Johnson's a pylon as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm just trying to name their defensemen. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. They have Marcus Pedersen and Goodbranson, too. Yeah, like, those guys are pure pylons. Petter- um, Goodbranson and Johnson, but the Pittsburgh, they went back-to-back, and now they just don't know what their identity is anymore. It seems like Rutherford's just ruined the team, in my opinion. So that's the end of my rant. No, I completely agree with you. I think you take... Definitely, obviously, if you take Crosby and Malkin out know, of that lineup, they're not a playoff Oh, my team. God. I think even if you took just Crosby out of that lineup and left Malkin in there, they're not a playoff team. I don't even think they're a playoff team next year with both of them there. <laughs> Possibly it's not. Gonna... We'll, I mean, we'll find out. I mean, the offseason's not over yet either, right? So who knows what will happen within the next month or two. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Pittsburgh's not looking great right now. Yeah, I just want to mention something quickly. We say that uh, the offseason is not done. Penguins have $1.5 million per uh, cap space this season. And I'm just going to mention some UFAs and RFAs they have coming up next year. Galchenyuk, UFA. Jaron McCann, RFA. Dominic Cahoon, RFA. Dominic Simone, RFA. Justin Schultz, UFA. Yusuf Rikula, RFA. And their goaltending backbone, Matt Murray's at RFA next year. What are the Penguins going to do? No clue, man. Like, they already had a terrible offseason this year. What's going to look like next year when they have no cap space? Like, really? I mean... Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be one of the worst teams. Like, the league's going to change. They're going to become one of the worst teams in the league in the next few years. It's sad to see because Sidney Crosby is such a talent to watch and Evgeny Malkin. And to think that... Well, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs yet. We don't know. But, like, just looking at their roster and where they're built is not great. And, I, yeah, it's sad to see, but... Probably not going to see that Washington Capitals or Pittsburgh Penguins series next year. All right, so now we're going to switch gears to the California team. Uh, The Los Angeles Kings, who have done absolutely nothing this offseason. They were absolutely terrible last year. They bought out FNAF. Um, I don't really know what other moves they've made. They haven't done anything. They're trying to trade Kovalchuk. Yeah, they haven't done anything. I think they're trying to trade Kovalchuk. That signing hasn't worked out for them, but they just haven't done anything, and they were terrible last year. So I'm not sure if GM Rob Blake has anything up his sleeve in the making. So we'll see. But as of right now, they're in the worst off seasons, and their decor is looking really thin. Besides Drew Doughty and maybe Alex Martinez, um, I'm just going to name them off: Paul Ledoux, Sean Walker, Joaquin Ryan, Curtis McDermott, and Matt Roy. That sounds very good. Uh, so they have Alex Iafalo and Andre Kempfe to sign their RFAs this year. They have $12 million in cap space. Very big question mark in that. What are we going to see with Jonathan Quick next year? Uh, again, you mentioned Kovalchuk might get traded. And their cap space isn't just looking good. Like next year, Toffoli, Lewis Clifford, Carl Grundstrom, Austin Wagner. Like it's, I don't know. Alec Kings have done nothing except buy out Dion Phaneuf's contract this year. And I guess draft Alex Turcott. But I don't know if Turcott's ready to step in right away. LA Kings, yeah, they need to start doing some things to kind of rebuild their franchise. Yeah, they still have some good players, though. Like They do. They have, they have uh, like, Jeff Carter. Defoli. Your boy. Your boy, yeah. Yeah, my boy, Anze Kopitar. And, and Dustin Brown's not bad. And who knows what the uh, Kovalchuk will be like, but uh, the, the rumor is that they're going to trade Kovalchuk. I don't know what's going to happen there, but they haven't done anything this offseason. They need to do something, um, whether it's 
like um, stack up draft picks or yeah try to make a push. I I would not try to make a push if I were the LA Kings. But no, you need no, to no, do no. something. You can't just ruin your future. You need something going. So, um, after next season, they're gonna be in a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is gonna be U- be a UFA. Yeah. Trevor Lewis is going to be UFA. Kyle Clifford is going to be UFA. Uh, Carl Grundstrom is going to be an RFA. Austin Wagner is going to be an RFA. And they're on the defensive end, they have Derek Forber is going to be UFA. Carl Ledoux is going to be UFA. Oh my. Sean Walker is going to be an RFA. Man, that looks good. Joakim Ryan is going to be UFA. And Curtis McDermott is going to be an RFA. And then going to their goalies, Jack Campbell, their backup goalie, is going to be UFA. So they have a lot of contracts to figure out. Uh, so, man, like, their their franchise is just not looking bright for the future right now. No, it is not. All right, who is our last team on this list, Flager? The Calgary Flames. What are the Flames up to, Flager? They signed um, Cam Talbot. Yeah. That's all they've done. (laughs) (laughs) After getting gentleman sweep by the Colorado Avalanche in the first round after they, I think they won the Pacific? Yep. They won won the the Pacific and the Western Conference. Yes, they did. Yeah. Okay. So they won the Pacific and the Western Conference and they win one game in the playoffs and their biggest move is to replace Mike Smith with... A one-year wonder in Cam Talbot. Slow clap for the Flames. <laughs> no, but yeah. Seriously, I think they could have some more moves on the horizon. I know the James Neal deal has not worked out at all for them when they signed him last offseason, so who knows if he'll be back with the Flames next season. I can see them kind of addressing maybe their bottom six a little bit. Who knows? Yes. Like it was, As we said before, they haven't really done anything but sign Cam Talbot as of yet, but Again, the summer just started, so yeah. they're not yesterday. Yeah, go ahead, player. I just want to. They're not. We're not saying they're going to be a bad team next season. We're no. just saying that they have not improved at all and haven't done anything to to get a step ahead of other teams in in the league. Um. So we're not, yeah, we're just not. We're not trying to rip on the Flames. We're just saying no. that they haven't had a great off season at all. Yeah, like uh, Joseph mentioned that. Uh, Cam Talbot obviously got signed to a contract. I think it's not horrible. I mean, like at least like a Riddick David uh, David Riddick Cam Talbot duo is not horrible. Again, but the Flames have nine million dollars in cap space, and they need to sign Matthew Kachuk. They absolutely need that player in their lineup. He's versatile, and he could piss you off every shift. <laughs> so I don't know what he's getting. I don't know if he's waiting for another RFA to sign. But Timo Meyer signed. And I think that he might be a bit better than Timo Meyer in terms of an all-around player. Yeah. So maybe he's waiting for another RFA to sign. But I think Matthew Kachuk could be in the range of $7.58 million per year. And that would bring them to a dollar, one dollar, a million dollars in cap space. And yeah. again, like I don't think they're done because they rumored to acquire Zucker at the trade deadline. And they're still going after Jason Zucker. And apparently the rumor is Matthew, Michael Froelich and Sam Bennett for Jason Zucker. So I don't know if they acquire Zucker. I think they're a better team if they acquire Zucker. And the cap space, again, it's not great for the Flames going to the future. But they got to figure out some stuff in the offseason. I think they will. They are also another yeah. team after so next Andy, season. They're going to have a lot of... What? 
Go what? Wait, sorry, never mind. Okay. <laughs> um, they're another team that are gonna have a, a bunch of contract problems after next season. Um, so I'll I need to catch my breath before I read this. Like for Leak is gonna be a UFA in the twenty 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 one season. Um Mark Jankowski is gonna become an RFA. Austin Zarnick is gonna become a UFA. Alan Quinn is gonna be a UFA. Those are nobodies anyways. But then on the defensive end of things, it's not gonna look good. TJ Brody is gonna become a UFA. Travis Hamannick's gonna become a UFA. Michael Stone's gonna become a UFA. And then two um no names, Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Kylington are gonna become RFAs. And then their goalies Obviously, they just signed Cam Talbot to a one-year deal. After next season, he's going to become a UFA. And then uh, David Riddich is currently an RFA. So, uh, yeah, not, their contract situation is not looking good either. They got to get Mangiapane signed. Mangiapane, Italian. Uh, Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett. So, they have $9 million in cap space to do this. It's possible, but they got to move some pieces and move some contracts out of their uh, roster so far that they have. And like we, like Joel mentioned again, like they got um, reverse sweeped, kind of not reverse sweep, but they won game and they got swept versus the Avalanche after some of their star players did absolutely nothing in the playoffs. And just to change nothing in between their elimination and now. Is kind of sad to see, except for the goaltending standpoint. But again, they have nine million dollars to work with. They have a long offseason to do whatever they have to do, and I don't think the Flames are done as yet. They're going to be back in the playoffs next year. I don't see them not making it, but I don't know if the faces that they have currently are going to be there when they do. Uh, I think they really need to move James Neal. I think he's really holding this team back um, because his contract is the third highest um, forward contract on the team. Uh, and I believe he's the fourth highest p- paid player on the team. Yep. And he's a freaking third line right wing, not even a center. He's a right winger. Mm-hmm. So I think his contract is really holding the Flames back. If I'm the Flames, I'd be looking to move him. Possibly, you might have to give up a pick to to do that. Yeah. To get rid of that big contract. Um, but it could be a smart move to to get rid of him and give up a pick because they are, like you said, they're going to make the playoffs probably next season. Uh, but if they really want to be a true contender for the Stanley Cup next year, they're going to have to acquire some other assets so to yep. get the job done. Yeah, um, that's, again, that's it. Uh, do we want to go through one good signing, one steal throughout the uh, free agency, or is this too much time? No, let's do it. Why not? That's it, yeah, might as well. Okay. Uh, Joseph, you want to go first? Yeah, so my favorite signing or the best signing that I think of the whole free agent frenzy was Matthew Shane to the Predators. Like I said, I think he got under market value uh, at eight million per. He probably could have got like eight point five to nine if anything. He is a first line center quality type of player. So Nashville getting their guy in Matthew Shane at eight million is a good deal for me. And the worst deal I think was uh definitely the Brandon Tanev deal with the pe- the Penguins. Six years, three point five million per for. Basically, a third liner just doesn't make sense to me in today's NHL. You don't want to sign third liners to six-year deals. I know Tanev's a, a younger player. He's probably like in his mid-20s, but he's not a quality type of player where you have to give a six-year deal to. So that's just uh, my opinion on that. Uh, my my number one signing, I think, uh, in the offseason so far is going to be Sergei Bobrovsky. 
because the Florida Panthers were a borderline playoff team last season. They kind of missed that cut, um, didn't make the playoffs, obviously. And I, I really believe do with their goaltending. Their goaltending was a little bit weaker. Now that they signed Wabrowski for 10 mil per year uh, to a long-term contract, I think he's going to help them get in the playoffs possibly next season or seasons to come. And your worst? My worst definitely be – well, what's your best? Say your best and worst first. Okay, well, my best signing – okay. Uh, my best signing is probably, again, agreeing with Joseph, uh, Matt Duchesne. I think he's going to step in there tremendously with all the skill they have, like Victor Arvidsson, Flip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, if they can get him going next year. I think that he adds a lot of speed to their lineup and a lot of threats against other um, Central Division rivalries. You saw in the playoffs that Matt Ryan Johansson just isn't a first-line center. Uh, he recorded, I think, one point in the Stanley Cup playoffs when they got eliminated in six games versus the Dallas Stars. And I think Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson could be a one-two punch, really good one-two punch for the National Predators. And they got to get their wingers going. Philip Forsberg uh, really didn't have an amazing year last year. And Victor Arvidsson did have a good season, but he was injured throughout the whole year. And again, adding Matt Duchesne allows a lot of stability to their lineup. So I think that was a good signing for them. The worst signing for me is probably Brandon Tanev, but I'm going to say another one, and it's probably Anton Strollman. I don't know why the Florida Panthers offered him $5.5 million, and I don't know why he's asking for that, when he hasn't hit 20 points in a season since 2017. And he's hit 18, 17 points the last two years with Tampa. Yes, he played 50 games last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning with injury, but, like, come on, like, 17 points? Like, you just don't sign a guy for $5.5 million per year if he's going to put up that kind of numbers. And I just feel like three years of 5.5 is not going to be good for the Florida Panthers when they got to get some of their guys signed in the uh, future. I'm going to say my worst, uh, 3.5 mil per year for, uh, I think it was seven years. Uh, is pretty bad. I think it was six years, actually. Anyways, it's a long-term contract, 3.5 per for a fourth liner. I'm projecting him to play on the fourth line for the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins next season. That's just it's a stupid contract. I think this could hurt the Pittsburgh Peng- Penguins in the future, especially considering their contract situation, as we discussed before. That's yep. definitely going to be, be my worst, though. Yeah, I think we all agreed kind of on the worst and best. So, yeah, that does it for the end of the episode. Uh, we got a well, we're never going to have a no longer episode than this until probably next July 1st. Uh, an hour and 31 we're at, so I think we'll wrap things Jeez. up. Do you guys have any uh, last words to say? Uh, just follow us on Twitter at the underscore breakdown and check out our website because there's lots of new content coming out on a daily basis. So uh, the website is com. spelled the B-R-K-D-W-N.com. And also follow us on Instagram at at the breakdown sports as well as on facebook so search the brkdwn all caps so go give us a like and follow for our content that will be uh daily out in the summer yeah and we're trying to look for the swaggy canuck to come on next episode talk about the vancouver canucks uh lots more guests during the summer lots more new ideas maybe a dream team we're gonna build i don't know uh, but no episode is going to be longer than this one, I think, to, again, till next July 1st. So that's it for the Free Agent Frenzy recap. And we will also bring you a lot of signings and trading that happens throughout the offseason. 
But as always, I'm Thomas Vestio, and alongside me is Andrew Flager and Joseph Crusoe. We're the N10 Puck Talk Podcast, and we will talk to you next episode.